This episode contains discussions of sexual violence. It's important to know there are people and resources available to help. No one should ever suffer in silence. No one should ever be ignored. If you need help, Rain, that's R-A-I-N-N, has a lot of resources, including a 24-hour helpline. That's 800-656-HOPE. 800-656-HOPE. This podcast is not associated with RAIN, but they are a wonderful resource dedicated to making the world a better place. This week's episode contains discussions on suicide. If you, or anyone you know, is in need of help, please contact the National Suicide Lifeline. It's free, and it's confidential. You can call 988. You can also visit 988lifeline.org. You are not alone. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 31 The Sad Story of Amelia Driscoll Thursday, March 29, 2013 It had been six years, 364 days, since the death of Audrey Gale, when Dorothy found herself called in to Mr. Stoltz's classroom for an after-school meeting. She knew exactly what this meeting was about. Her grades took a pretty serious dive in the months leading up to the anniversary of her mother's death. She managed to get them all back up to passing, save for one eighth-grade science class. The oddly pear-shaped Mr. Stoltz entered the classroom and looked at Dorothy as she sat front and center. He was not tall, nor was he handsome. Despite this, he seemed to think he was God's gift not only to women, but to the world. Dorothy never liked Mr. Brian Stoltz. Even at such a young age, she felt like she knew what kind of person he was. He had short, fuzzy blonde hair on top of his head, a pair of wire-rimmed glasses resting on his nose, and around his mouth was a ridiculous, very blonde goatee that occasionally spread into a blonde five o'clock shadow. Despite his best efforts to mask the sound with a fake cough, followed by the clearing of his throat, Dorothy could still hear the click of the door locking behind him. She watched as he moved around the room. He almost looked like a shark in his movement. 
making his way from window to window, drawing the blinds, twisting the dowels slowly, turning each long blade upward. Dorothy felt a sense of unease as the room darkened. Once the blinds were all turned up, he made his way down the center row of lab tables and took a seat to Dorothy's left. She tried to avoid eye contact with him, but was somehow unable to. The smell of his cheap cologne hung thick in the air. He must have just put on a fresh coat of this stuff, she thought to herself. Dorothy, he said sternly. He looked at her as he reached under the table and placed his right hand on her bare left knee. Do you know why I called you in here? Dorothy looked at his hand before moving her eyes upward to meet his. I think I have an idea, she said uneasily. It's your grades, Dorothy, he said as he moved his hand to her upper thigh, moving her skirt upward in the process and tightening his grip. Dorothy, you're failing pretty badly. The year is almost over, and frankly, even if you aced every test and paper, I'm not sure it will be enough to get you back to... passing. Dorothy swallowed. She wanted to cry. She did not want to cry because of the news or the possibility of not passing, but more because of the strange, intense sentiment that seemed to be coming from Mr. Stoltz, filling the air between them. She was not sure if she felt fear, anger, shame, or guilt at the touch of his hand or the sounds of his words. She was aware of the implications and where this meeting was going. I'm sure I can, continued Mr. Stoltz, come up with some sort of extra credit. His light, gravelly voice suddenly became even more sinister than before. He lowered his head to better meet Dorothy's eyes. Do you understand? His hands curled inward, into her inner thigh, as they moved further up her skirt. Dorothy nodded as the tears began to well even more. She could not bring any words to her mouth out of fear of flat-out crying. She never forgot the prickling feeling of his wiry, blonde facial hair as it pressed against her lips. She never forgot the feeling of his slimy, slug-like tongue inside her mouth as it forced its way in and moved around. She pulled away so hard and so fast that she nearly fell out of her seat, tears flowing down her cheeks in full force, like a miniature waterfall rushing down her face. She swore she could hear them as they hit Mr. Stoltz's hand which was still gripping her leg, which she had inadvertently spread from the other 
when she pulled away from him. She looked up at him with childlike fear in her eyes. Because that's what she was. A child. For a split second, she could see anger overtaking Mr. Stoltz's face. It looked more like an involuntary twitch, something he had not meant to show, and quickly turned into something resembling sympathy and compassion, with just a little disappointment. I'm... I'm sorry, he said. His tone was not particularly apologetic. You said you understood. I, I thought we had agreed on the solution to your problem. Dorothy looked at him, still unable to bring any words to her mouth. She began to sob. She did not want to do whatever it was this man wanted her to do. At the same time, however, she certainly did not want to risk repeating the eighth grade or spending another year as Mr. Stoltz's pupil. Mr. Stoltz hastily looked around, back to the locked door of the classroom. He removed his hand from Dorothy's leg and placed it calmingly on her shoulder, trying to regain control of the situation. As Dorothy pulled away, he instinctively backed off in fear of more cries. Louder cries. Dorothy, he continued, maybe there is another way. She looked up at him and sniffed. His eyes changed from sympathy to relief as her cries stopped and her tears subsided. Like what? Dorothy asked hesitantly. Mr. Stoltz stood up and walked over to the window. Placing two fingers between a row of blades of the blinds, he opened them and looked out onto the playground. A young girl swung alone on the swing set just outside his room. He looked at her, her long flowing black hair, a single pierced ear, Tight blue jeans, purposely ripped at the knees, and a t-shirt with a picture of a cat playing a keyboard. He let out a small gasp at the sight. Do you know Amelia Driscoll? he asked, as he removed his fingers and turned back to Dorothy. He already knew the answer. Dorothy nodded as she wiped the remaining tears from her eyes. Amelia Driscoll did not have a lot of friends. Amelia Driscoll was sometimes called the weirdo on the playground. Amelia Driscoll was never seen as someone particularly smart. Amelia Driscoll was thought by many to be an easily swayed pushover with a desire to make people happy. Everything everyone thought about Amelia Driscoll was wrong. And Dorothy knew it. Dorothy was one of Amelia's only friends. The two of them occasionally played together after school, and occasionally even spent the night at each other's houses on the weekends. 
Dorothy did not have a lot of friends either. The two of them were smart and perfectly paired. Each knew the true cornerstone of many relationships, not just their own, was a shared sadness and pain. Not long after Dorothy lost her mother, Amelia went through a similar tragedy of losing her father. On this day, Dorothy found Amelia on the swings. The sounds of the squeaking chains as the swing went back and forth from end to end always made her smile. To her, it sounded like birds chirping on a spring morning outside her bedroom window. It reminded her that life was not always so dire and depressing. Today, however, she felt as though the sounds of the birds and the sounds of the playground were nothing more than lies. Terrible lies. Hey, Ames, said Dorothy quietly as she approached the swing set. Hey, Dor, said Amelia as she swung forward. She went so high the chains briefly lost their slack, granting her a brief moment of freefall before being caught and sent backward for a repeat of the same effect. Dorothy stood by the swing set and watched her friend as she stopped pumping her legs. She kicked up the dirt beneath her as she brought herself to a nearly complete stop. How's it going? Amelia asked as she lightly rocked herself back and forth in the swing. Oh, you know, said Dorothy sullenly. Amelia was aware of the time of year. She was aware that tomorrow was Dorothy's birthday, and that meant it was also the anniversary of her loss. Without saying anything, she stood up with shaky legs and walked over to her friend. With arms wide open, Amelia gave Dorothy a big, tight hug. As she felt the warm and strong embrace of her best friend, Dorothy began to cry. She had a million reasons to cry, but had no idea which one triggered the tears. There was simply too many emotions coursing through her now. She felt as though she could fall apart at any second. It's okay, said Amelia, squeezing tighter. I know it's hard sometimes. Dorothy muffled her cries as she buried her head in Amelia's shoulder. She hated life at this moment. She hated the decisions and the choices so cruelly and unfairly forced upon her. Dorothy and Amelia spent the afternoon at the local park. They sat high at the top of the playground where the small enclosure joined a trio of slides. It was like a treehouse, but without the requisite tree. They giggled and laughed at silly jokes as they spoke with bad English accents and sipped from cans of soda. They each held their pinkies up as they drank, pretending to be fancy. They talked about their hopes and dreams, their aspirations, and what they wanted to be when they inevitably grew up. 
Dorothy aspired to do something that afforded her the ability to travel. Some days it seemed like there were precious few things in Kansas worth sticking around for. She always had a sinking feeling, however, that no matter how far she went, she would always desire to return, at least for a little while. Amelia wanted to be a counselor or a therapist of some sort, like her father. She had a kind heart. Even a small difference made is a difference worth making, she always said. Dorothy did not always agree, but always thought it was a novel theory. Ames, said Dorothy nervously as she shook the can in her hand, only to hear the last few drops rattling around inside. Her voice took a sharp turn into a solemn, dark tone. Amelia stopped giggling and straightened out her smile, but did not verbally respond. Mr. Stoltz, Dorothy continued, told me today that... She stopped as the familiar tears began to well up once more. He's... He said, I probably won't pass this year. You won't pass? asked Amelia. You mean you'll be stuck in the eighth grade for another year? The thought of starting high school without her best friend caused tears to form in her own empathetic eyes. He won't, like, offer you any extra credit? Any extra... Projects or something? Dorothy sniffed and wiped the tears from her eyes. <laughs> he said there was a way, but I, 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 I couldn't do it. I mean, I can't do it. What was it? Asked Amelia. A sense of urgency and dread filled her voice. Whatever it was that Dorothy did not think she was capable of could not have been that bad. Could it? She knew Dorothy, and as much as she loved her, she knew her best friend had a history of having too little faith in herself. Usually, all it took to get her going was a gentle nudge in the right direction. He... Wanted me to, Dorothy said quietly as she looked away. He wanted me to. Her heart pounded loudly as she felt an uncomfortable heat overcome her. He wanted me to ask you something. Ask me something? Asked Amelia. <laughs> what could he possibly want you to ask me? Amelia Driscoll committed suicide two weeks later. Dorothy received an A in science and went on to high school. Sad and alone.